Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. We started a series on divine health and healing two weeks ago. We're going to continue that series now. Um, I would say that a lot of people shy away from even going into teaching on healing or praying for healing just because, uh, and I've done this most of the Sundays, but how many people in here have witnessed a genuine supernatural healing from God? Raise your hands. You've seen the Lord do incredible things. People that needed healing, raise them once more. And I want everybody to look around just see God is a healing God. Come on, there's this many people that would argue with you if you said he doesn't heal. Raise your hands again. He's healing today. Come on. He's always moving. Now put your hands down. How many people have known a believer that was prayed for, but they didn't get healed? Raise your hand too. So look in the room too. This is why I've decided to teach on this. And it's, I know we're in the midst of, you know, where the, the media is pumping this pandemic and everything too. But ultimately, I just believe healing is... Something that we have got to educate ourselves on because ultimately God is calling his children to walk in divine health, almost as a sign and a wonder. Amen? Amen. How many people would agree divine health is better than healing because divine health means you don't even need to be healed? Come on. Who wants to live like that? I believe that God wants that for everybody. And we live in a fallen world. That's why things come against us. And I'm going to go into that today. But I began the series on just the importance of faith. That God can absolutely do it. The question is, do you have true faith where you're seeking after the Lord for that and able to grow? And one thing I challenged people with was, if a doctor told you to take this pill and come back next week for a test and get this biopsy done and this scan done, people have no problem listening to a guy they just met. And doing everything that he just, or woman, there's many great women doctors, and I'm not coming against doctors. Thank God for the fact that we do have, you know, medicine in many regards to, to prolong people's lives. But if you listen to them, why do you treat God where he gets one opportunity where you went forward for hands laid upon you, you didn't get healed, and you just go on down the road? If you truly believe that God is a healer, you're going to educate yourself and you're going to do what his word tells you to do. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. So you, do you still love me? Yes. And that was weak. Okay. I'm not loved today. I told you in the first service, get the car running, Pastor Mark. We may have to run out the side door and just ski on down the road. Head out there to Webster where folks disappear. (laughs) Dwayne lives there. He's like, amen. Nobody finds me out there. I grew up in the country. I love it. We were 15 minutes away from a pond. So today's message I'm, I'm continuing on healing is, uh, why do I need healed? Why am I sick? Why am I going through this trial? That's the title of a message. I know it's a lot of words, right? Like you could just trim it down, Pastor Caleb. But why, why do we need healing? Why do you get sick? Why are you going through this? Such questions that come in people's minds when they're going through things. And, and oftentimes we shy away from it, from teaching it, like I said, because We've got our minds like we've seen healing, but we've seen people not get healed. Let's just love the Lord and trust that when he does it, he does it. But I believe ultimately, whenever there is a breakdown, it is always our fault. Would you agree with that? Are you okay with that? 
Are you mature enough to realize that if anybody is perfect, it is the Lord and not you? And that if there is, if we know it's his will and he know he has the power, then when, we, when we're going through it and we don't get healed, then really the responsibility has to lie on us. You with me right now? It's quiet in this Presbyterian church, but that's all right. I love the Presbyterians. Why do I need healed? Why am I sick? Why am I going through this trial? Great questions, but I want to start with this statement. Jesus did not address to people in the Bible why they were sick. Because the why was less important of the who he was. And so if you have that question, I understand that you have that question. Maybe you're going through something or someone close to you is going through it. But understand that Jesus didn't take the time to address why. He just displayed who he was and healing flowed from that. Amen? Now, why does that matter? Because you get in your head questions that are fruitless questions. It doesn't actually matter why you're sick. It doesn't actually matter what you're going through. What matters is who he is and what he wants to bring into your life. Amen? Amen. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. So, God's perfect, you aren't. That means you got to humble yourself sometimes and really go to the Lord. If you're going through something, humble yourself and go before God. The Bible says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. A humble heart is the way that we approach the Father above to get anything from God. Amen? Amen. So walk in humility. Also, don't judge someone who's sick. You see someone else that's sick, so many people in the body of Christ are so judgmental. I tell you, they're sick because something's going on. It's exactly like like we've all met people like that. Forget about that. The Bible says not to do that. Don't be the person to sit there and judge them. Be the person to believe that God's going to heal them. Amen. Amen. People don't need you sitting there living in your living room talking about them. Yeah, they're probably sick because blah, 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 blah. Why you eat a McDonald's Big Mac talking about that's why that person's sick. Let's talk about you, you ugly thing, you. I'm going to have fun today. I'm going to have a lot of fun today. If you're visiting, don't worry. I'm not the pastor here usually. Actually, I'm always here, so just get used to it. Amen. All right, four, James 4, 7. Let's begin right there. Powerful scripture, super short, super sweet. It's going to be the premise of what I talk about today. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Powerful. Submit to God. Submit. Who loves that? Man, every day. Father, I thank you for I submit today. We don't like submission, but the Bible here is, but it's, what it's laying out to us is a clear line that there are some things of God and there are things of the devil. Submit to God, you get God. Resist the devil, and he does what? Flees from you, okay? So sickness, disease, it comes from the devil. It doesn't come from God. If it came from God, you should not ever believe for healing, and you should not go to a doctor. Because if the Lord is the one making you sick, then why do you think that a man has the power to get you well? Does a man have the power over God? No, he does not. Come on, somebody. A pill won't fix it. If God says you're going to be sick, you're going to be sick. Thank God that God does not say you're going to be sick. He's a healing God. Well, I'm laying it out real quick right now, but it's powerful what I'm laying out. This is the truth. So you have to firmly believe that. Like, this is not of God. This is from hell. And what does the Bible say about the devil? It says he is defeated and beneath your feet. 
So where does sickness belong? It's defeated and beneath your feet. That is the foundation of everything we believe. Absolutely. Doesn't matter if you deserve it because you do eat McDonald's every day. We'll talk about diet afterwards, but you need to get that right. I will say that. Doesn't matter if you deserve it. You still have a divine right to stand on the word and say healing is a promise from God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen? The devil is defeated. He cannot, he does not have the power to keep people sick because he is a defeated foe. Come on, somebody. All right. Psalm 34, 17 through 19 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and he delivers them out of all of their troubles. Say all of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Contrite spirit means a crushed spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Can you read that? Yeah, okay. First, I want to say this. The Bible is pretty clear here that there's going to be troubles and there's going to be afflictions in your life. Are you with me? Now, that doesn't mean that getting saved means you're going to have a hard life and the devil's going to come against you and just prepare now because you got saved. Hell's about to come at you. Hell was always coming at you. Now that you're a born-again believer, you are equipped to stand against hell and say, not today, Satan. Amen? So living for Jesus is the best life possible. It is the easiest, greatest life you're ever going to have. When you're following the Lord, things will work out for good. Amen? But many are the afflictions. So that's another thing. Why am I sick? Why do I need healing? Don't get caught up in your head on that particular thing. Things come against you. The the, the truth is, the Bible says many things could come against you, many afflictions, many troubles. But there's one promise and only one ending in mind that the Scripture says, that it will, he will deliver you out of them all. Come on, somebody. Whatever varied attack the devil uses, you're coming through it, not even smelling of smoke. So, but I want to hit something. If you're going through something, it starts to break you down. Sometimes Christians feel ashamed. They feel they have weak faith. They feel that they're not loved by the Lord, that they messed up, that, this is, uh, uh, that, that, that God would heal them if they were right, but they just obviously aren't right, and all of these things. And the things I went through last week We're not to make you feel like a victim, and that's why God won't heal you. It's so you can be honest with yourself. Check your heart and say, Lord, search me, O God. Reveal reveal to me anything going on that I need to get right so that the healing that you have promised and you delivered 2,000 years ago becomes my reality right now. But in the midst of it, what does it do? It crushes you. It makes you feel like you're dying in the midst of it. What is going on? And the Bible says for those that are broken, those that have that contrite spirit, God has not abandoned you. He's not far from you. He's not staying away from you because you're contagious. It says he is near to those. He is right there in the midst of your trial, your tribulation, and your affliction. He will never abandon you. He has never been ashamed of you. He is with you, and he loves you. Come on, somebody. God is a good God. He's a precious God. The Lord loves his people. Many are the afflictions. You're going to go through something. Now, afflictions could mean a lot of different things that I will get into more next week. 
But our outcome is a singular outcome. He will deliver us out of them all. But if you are going through a trial, you're sick, someone you love is sick. Listen, I, I, I had a dad that died of cancer. And it was right when I took over being a pastor. So here I am pastoring and people like two months into pastoring, my dad gets sick. The first funeral I ever did as a pastor was my own father. And hurt bad. You want to talk about pain? I cried daily. I'd call him and just cry. I loved him. Speak, not, not, I was just speaking faith, speaking faith, all these things. And, and ultimately, through it all, uh, my dad knew the Lord. He was an awesome man. Loved God. Loved, loved people. Was just a great man. But he didn't get healed. I asked the Lord fervently, what is going on? The Lord told me something. I went to my dad about it, and it didn't work out. And I won't go into it because I honor my dad, and it doesn't matter. Anyways, it matters. I know where he's at. He's in heaven right now. But things come. You've got to be a humble enough person to say, you know what, God? Teach me or reveal to me whatever I need to know because I know that healing is your will for my life. I know divine health is what you've called me to. I will not buy into the lie of the enemy. I trust you no matter what. So, Father, teach me. But if you're feeling broken, you're feeling beaten down, the lesson in that is just say, you have to realize humbly, this is bigger than me, and I can't handle it myself, and I just give it to you, God. It's the same way you get saved, isn't it? Truly saved, you just get to a point where you're like, God, I'm so sick of carrying this life myself. I'm so sick of the responsibility. I've screwed up. I've messed up. I ruined this. I ruined that. And I just give you my life. Please take it. And what does he do? He moves right in and he takes that junk of a life. He starts scrubbing and cleaning it up, refreshing, renewing the mind, touching the body, filling the spirit. And before long, what was garbage has now been turned into a precious gem because of what the Lord has done. Amen? So you're going through it. You feel abandoned. You feel broken down. It's not necessarily a bad place to be because God is near to you. And you're two seconds away from the greatest miracle you've ever had. Are you with me right now? In fact, 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Say triumph. triumph. Come on, somebody. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. He always leads you to triumph. Always. Always. He's not going to stop this time. This is not, the end in line is not a defeat. Christians cannot be defeated. Christians are, because Christ already defeated every enemy of a believer. Death, hell, and the grave were the last. Those are defeated. You are, even if you die, you don't die. You just cross over into glory. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He beat every enemy of man. It's impossible for a Christian to be defeated. And I want to say this. When, you're, when, you're, when your faith comes to a level of conscious lifestyle changes, and let me explain what I mean. When you're a person, there's a lot of people that say, I believe in Christ, I love the Lord, but it does not change how they live their life. To me, I would call that fake, and you need a reality check because you're walking around, the God that you serve is actually your own conscious mind. You get to do what you want to do and say what you want to do, but he's got to do everything that you want him to do. There's a breakdown there, and I'm just going to say it like it is, and you can love me or you can hate me. But when faith gets to a point where you're living a conscious lifestyle, where you so believe the word that it, it changes how you act, it changes what you look at, it changes where you go, 
It changes what you say. It changes what you put your hand to. It changes how you spend your money. It changes your life because your lifestyle is governed through faith in Jesus Christ. You are a brand new creation. You're not the same person you once were. You refuse to think like you once thought. When the thoughts come, you're like, I bind that lie of hell. I have the mind of Christ. I think like God, walk like God, act like God because I belong to God. I'm, I'm having fun. When you get to that place, that place where your faith actually leads to a conscious lifestyle change, you will lose the cost to despair. Thank God for that. You will stop blaming other people for problems that you are facing because you know that you are responsible for your own destiny. And then you also get to the point where you realize that nobody has the power to keep you sick, to keep you poor, or to keep you unloved, unwanted, ignorant, or as a victim. Nothing on this earth has the power to keep you in that place once anymore. So as a faith-filled person, everything God has in your life is based upon that revelation to say, the enemy cannot keep me where I'm at right now. God will lead me. What does the Bible say? He leads you to what? Triumph. Some of the time, most of the time, half of the time, once in a while, always leads you to triumph. So you say, why am I going through this? It doesn't matter. What matters is you're in a juicy part of the story because it's about to get so sweet that you're going to come to church saying, Pastor Caleb, I need a microphone to tell you what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Feel faith in this place. Say, so you got to have an interesting story. Nobody wants the boring lifestyle. So you go through some stuff. But in the going through that, you find out that Christ leads you straight through to not smell of smoke and have victory. And it's a testimony to let every devil in hell know you will not destroy the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the body of Christ. Because we believe it. So we receive it and we live it. If that's you, take two seconds and say amen. Come on, I feel faith in this place. Everything at the promises of God, whether it's healing you need or you need a breakthrough of junk in your life, whatever it is, God wants to do a supernatural thing in your life. And he will lead you to triumph. Even if your story was a story of abuse your whole life, like we just stood yesterday on the Capitol, you could have been abused your whole life, but God can take that. Turn that life around to where your children are not raised in a household where they're abused. They're raised in a household where the glory of God is, the presence of heaven is. And you turn what the devil meant for destruction into a testimony of the saving power of Christ Jesus. Woo! I feel fire. He always leads you to triumph. Many are the afflictions. Say, why do I got to go through stuff? Because we all got to go through stuff. Come on. When we do counseling, some people, you hear what they're going through, and you're like, my God, help them. Jesus. This is worse than a country music song. They go through it, and they're like, what is it? But who cares? In the midst of that, God can squeeze out the pure oil of the anointing of God. It brings humility, but it also brings power, potent power. Because you're like, I came through it, and I'm still standing, and I'll always be standing. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because he strengthens me, and he leads me. Amen. Then other people, you hear them come in, I need help. You, they tell you what you're going through. You're like, bro, grow up. That's not even worth talking about. That's your problem? 
So obviously the Lord dishes out what you can handle up. It's not the Lord dishing out sickness, but he does not. He governs it so you can see through it. Amen? All right, John 16, 33. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Once again, Jesus speaking. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Powerful, right? Jesus, once again, man, I tell you too, I tell people this every time I quote John 16 or 17 or 15. You need to read those chapters over and over and over and over and over again because it is so precious. It's Jesus right before he leaves the earth talking about you and I and what he wants the church to do and the reality of the kingdom of God. It's powerful. Anytime it's in red, read it over and over again. And so Jesus is here saying to his apostles, uh, you're going to have tribulation in this world. I mean, did Jesus have things come against him? Yeah, he did. Did people hate him? Now, did he get sick in his body? Jesus didn't get sick in his body because he so understood divine health. He walked in divine health. But the, so the enemy came with another thing, which was persecution. And we'll talk about that next week. But the reality is you're going to have tribulation in this life. You're going to go through something. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. What I want to highlight in this is Jesus said this while he was standing as a man in the flesh. Before he ever died, before he was ever resurrected, before he ever was seated at the right hand of God in a glorified body. Jesus said this in the flesh. In faith, because he knew his future. And his future was, my dad is leading me to victory on that cross. And I will defeat the enemy. So standing there in that moment, without having done it, he says, I have already overcome the world. The lesson is, even if you're in the midst of the trial, the same faith that was in Jesus is in the church today. And you have overcome, even right now, before you even get there, somebody shout amen in this place. You're an overcomer. If Jesus can say it, you can say it. It does not matter what I'm going through. I will overcome. I have overcome. Jesus, I feel it on that. Victory is yours in every area of your life. Now listen, hospitals and doctors exist in a response to sickness. If everybody in the world was a doctor, sickness would still exist. If we all had medical degrees and we all were pharmaceutical experts, we would still all be dealing with sickness going around in the world because doctors do not possess the power to eradicate sickness as a whole. All we can do is respond to sickness. But the gospel and the power of God and the supernatural presence of Jesus has the power to eradicate it altogether. God can raise the dead. Science cannot explain how someone can be dead and be brought back to life. But Jesus says, I don't give you an explanation. I just do it. Come on, somebody. Watch me as I do what I do. I love it. It means there's a freedom in the sense that you don't have to figure it out with your mind. You just have to believe it in your spirit and go on and receive it because that's who God is. So if we were all doctors, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't eradicate it because sickness comes from evil. It comes from sin is the root of it, that when sin came in, sickness came in. We live in a fallen world. There's junk happening all around us, wickedness everywhere. So, of course, sickness is going to thrive. But you as a child of God are different. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. So the things in this world do not have power to stay in your life. If you believe that, you have to walk in it, live it, and, and believe it. Amen? Amen? Okay. So there's no worldly cure for sickness. 
in the long run of it. We can prolong, we can do certain things, but ultimately in heaven, I want you to know this, God is not dishing out Claritin. There's no Xanax for those that get to heaven and are a little anxious. Can't sleep. Do you have any Ambien? Thank God for that, right? Praise the Lord. You don't get to to heaven and have to wait in a line to get dished up with something to make yourself feel okay. That's not there. Healing, health, freedom, life evermore is in heaven. So how do we live that now? Like, Why do we go through it? If the world has fallen, many are the afflictions, all of these things that are going on. What does a believer do? Do we just have to suck it up, buttercup, and go through it? Right? That's how many people grew up with parents like that. It's like you break your leg. Your parents are like, suck it up, buttercup. Walk it off. Walk it off. Ah, ah. Oh, you big whiny baby. True story. I broke my leg. So I'm, I'm like, I'm in pain. I broke. I shattered it. And I'm like, it hurts. My dad comes. And we had a couch with wooden hand, handles. He took my head and went, bam, right into the wood. And he said, now what? Now what do you feel? I was like, my head hurts. And he's like, yeah, but what about, you know, he thought it would make the leg not hurt. I'm like, my head and my leg hurt. Like, you didn't fix anything. You made it worse, Dad. That was not a good plan. For three days, this is what you get if you're raised in a dairy farm in Tennessee. For three days, they told me to suck it up and walk it off. So I'm trying to walk on a broken leg, crawling on the ground. Finally, my dad's like, well, maybe we should take him to the doctor. He took me in. They x-rayed it. They said, oh, it, it's shattered. In fact, it started to turn to bone dust where the, where the bone is gr- grinding together. And he was like, I'm so sorry, son. <laughs> I'll tell you something. I'll just, be a, I'll just admit, I milked that as much as you could. <laughs> I was like, Dad, it would be all right if you took me out for a st- <coughs> steak dinner <laughs> to make it up. <laughs> Dad, I could really use a new video game. <laughs> Why are you coughing? I don't know. It just makes it more dramatic. <laughs> I made my dad carry me everywhere in the hospital. They were like, put him in a wheelchair. And I was like, Dad, don't put me in a wheelchair. Carry me. My poor dad had to carry me up flights of steps. I was like, total, total loser. Like, grow up. Suck it up, buttercup. It's actually a miracle, though, because they said that my leg was broke on the growth plate and that my leg wouldn't grow, but it grew. So I thank the Lord for that, that I'm, that I'm not here like this right now. <laughs> thank, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'd be walking with that limp, just be like, yeah, sup. Let's get spiritual, people. (laughs) Truth is, sickness, everything we're dealing with is a spiritual problem. And I want to break down something to you that I believe is going to minister deeply to you. How do you walk in divine health? How do you get to the point where you are like Jesus, where you're, you're not getting sick in your body? 
And you say, is that, absolute, is that possible? People definitely have tapped into that. There are men and women that have walked this earth that have tapped into it, that just walk in this realm with God where sickness doesn't grab a hold of their life. And you say, that's impossible. Well, how many impossible things does God do on a daily basis? Ooh. So he can do it. God's always doing it. question is, are you walking in it? So as a spiritual problem, to combat sickness, one has to have a healthy spirit. So if your spirit is healthy, if you have a strong spirit, man, then things that come against your physical body can be cast out because your spirit is dominating and governing your life. Are you with me? So the key to all of this is developing your spirit man on the inside and growing up spiritually. That's why the Bible, that's why Paul was frustrated with believers when he was like, you guys should be eating meat and you're still on milk. Come on. Imagine if I was like that with my wife, how frustrated would she be if she married a 38-year-old man and she still has to bottle feed me and wipe my rear end? It's getting real up in here right now. He just went there. Think about that. So spiritually, that's why Paul was frustrated. He's like, these people should be mature. They should be carrying and walking in power, and now they're just still basically like babies where I'm taking care of them. And how many people in the church are that way? Well, I went to that church, but they didn't feed me, and they didn't develop me, and they didn't minister to me. But what are you doing to feed yourself? Because if only the only ministering you get and the only feeding you get is on Sunday morning, you're starving to death. Your spirit's like an 85 little nobody. So you should be eating well. And then today's the day where we come together as a family barbecue. You know what I'm saying? The potluck's laid out. You're like, I'll take some sweet potato casserole of the Lord. I'll take some meat and potatoes of Jesus. I'll take it all. So that's the problem with the American church as a whole is we're so distracted and so entertained. We're not feeding our spirit. And so if our spirit is weak, sickness comes on the body. You have no spirit man that has the power to reject that. So your body is being governed by the soul and the flesh. So the Bible lays out clearly that a man is a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body, spirit, soul, and body. Now, the problem is, is a lot of people don't know the difference between spirit and soul. And so there's the breakdown. They're literally being governed by the soulish realm, thinking that they're living in the spirit realm. And if you're governed by the soulish realm, you can be manipulated. Because the soulish realm is where your mind, will, and emotions are. How many people in here have ever been triggered by something on this earth that made your emotions go wild? Oh, yeah. Well, you, you lying half church. You're like, never, no, nothing can get to me. I float when I walk as well. And I also haven't used the restroom since 1987. Well, good for you. Your soul can be triggered. Fear gets in. Doubt gets in. People say something. They offend you. That's the soulish realm. Mind, will, and emotions. Your emotions can go like this. And then your body is governed by that and kind of responds to that. But your spirit is something different entirely. Let me lay out for you what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, the reason I want to lay this out is because I know this, but I feel like sometimes I think everybody knows these things and doesn't realize that it's actually true. You have a spirit, soul, and a body. Three-part being. So let's keep going. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what does the word do? The word is that thing that severs between the soul and the spirit. It's where you get broken free of how you feel to how it actually is. The word is the only force that can sever in between that to where a believer can begin to live by the spirit instead of governed by the soul. If you live in the soulish realm, you will be manipulated by everything that comes. Look at what's happening in the world right now. You want to know the real pandemic in the world right now? It's a fear pandemic. So if fear gets in, it is going to govern your life. People, even if they test positive of coronavirus, they're going to be okay in three days. But in their mind, their life is ended because they are governed by the soulish realm, manipulated and construed by the enemy as absolute dire straits. You with me? You okay? Come on, somebody. And so you cannot live in the place where your emotions are governing your life. I watch good people, good people that love God that can be triggered with the angry button and then they lose it. They snap. And before long, this is the type of person that will go down the road and the enemy knows it. It's the trigger button. Low self-esteem. God wants you to step up and do something. Triggered. Somebody will come up and say, your hair looks bad. Your beard is patchy. And then you just feel like a little worm. Woe is me. I can't do these things. Weak spirit has no defense against the things of this world. Strong spirit grabs a hold of heaven. Let me give you a key right now that's going to bless you, I pray. So the word is what cuts between it. But watch what Mary said in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, right after Mary is told by an angel of the Lord that she is going to give birth to the Savior. Watch what Mary says, and this is a lesson for us all. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. The lesson to this is that in faith, you have got to take authority over how you feel. You say, I'm going through a trial right now. And when I get through, I'll praise the Lord, and I'll get there. No, the soul is then governing you, and you feel heavy, so you don't praise. You've got to get to the place where my soul will magnify the Lord. What do we just do today? It is well with my soul. Do you know that that song was written by a guy named Horatio Hornblower? That was the original, obviously the hymn part. That part, it is well with my soul. When he opened a letter from his wife saying that disease ripped through the household malaria or something and killed three of our kids i am still alive and one other child he wrote that song at that point saying it is well with my soul on his way on a ship to go and minister because devastation just hit his household but he spoke out from his spirit man it is well it is well i still trust the lord he's still on my side there are things you're gonna go through but if you let your mind will and emotions let you stay in that place you don't get past that place But if you command your soul, you will bless the Lord. 
You will magnify his name. What happens there? She says, my soul will magnify the Lord. And what happens in return is my spirit rejoices in the Lord. So when you praise God, when you use the soulless realm and you begin to just shout unto the Lord and dance unto the Lord, the spirit world of Christ is released upon you and comes to fill your spirit man up. So it's the agreement between heaven and earth, church. Are you with me right now? You've got a soul and you've got a spirit. And your spirit can only be fed from up above. Nothing in this world can feed the spirit man with the word, obviously. But it's the moment where your soul wants to hold you captive in this moment. Because you feel heavy. You feel downtrodden. Why am I sick? Why am I going through this? All of these things that come where? In the mind. Are you with me right now? Where's the battleground? It's in the mind. When the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, what are we fighting? Are we getting to put on armor and go out and kill demons? As much as us men wish that was the truth. Come on, that would be a great small group, wouldn't it? <laughs> Grab your AR-15. Let's hit it, boys. Got word there's a group of demons down in downtown Claremont. <laughs> Too bad, right? We don't get to fight it in flesh and blood because we know how to deal with flesh and blood. No, it's a spiritual fight. So the battle, when the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, it's talking about the mind. The truth is the word. The world wants to compete against it, and the enemy wants to mess with your mind to get you to agree with what he wants you to agree with, and the fight is right here. So I have been through some heavy, heavy moments in my life when I felt defeated, when my mind's telling me God has abandoned me and he doesn't love me, are you with me? Where you feel like you are the lowest of everything and that nobody is on your side at all. And it's in that moment that in the heaviness came, I realized I've got to praise my way out of this. I got to pray. I don't feel like praising. I don't feel like jumping. I don't feel like shouting. I feel like I am defeated. My, my body's hunching over. My, I feel sick. I just feel ran down. But I will bless the Lord at all times. And it started out weak. I tell you, I had a moment when everything was coming against me. And it, I'm telling you, it was, if I told you, it's, more, it's humorous because this much cannot come against you unless it is a strategy of hell. All these things coming against me. And my praise was so weak, it was like, God, I love you. You know, Jesus. It's like, is this praise or is this welling? Hallelujah. When your hallelujah sounds more like you're dying. Hallelujah. And then I was like, I'm going to dance before the Lord. It was like. Not even really clear in the whole foot. Just kind of leaning on the toes. I pick with people all the time and worship. And I love to worship. And I love Love to break through, but it's like I quit spinning around because I, I, I got to the point where I hated to be like, whoa, and then turn around. And the dude right there is like, <laughs> I'm like, bro, are we not feeling the same thing right now? Like victory's in the house and you look like you just, whatever. You're like, yeah, oh, okay. All right. We don't all feel it. And I felt that way. What I did was I broke past it. Until I was truly jumping, truly shouting, truly praising the Lord. And then the Spirit of God just connected. Boom. 
when he connected to me, actually the Lord gave me the strategy in that moment of how to navigate my way through that storm, and everything worked out good. What does the Bible say? He will lead you into triumph always, always, always. Why am I going through this? It doesn't matter. What matters is your soul is about to bless the Lord, and the Spirit of God is about to fill your spirit, man, up. And a strong spirit will equip you against every tactic on this earth. Jesus. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I knew I wanted to be a strong believer. I didn't want to be a believer that needed counseling every second of the day. I didn't want to be a believer that needed someone to babysit me. I wanted to be a believer that God could pour his spirit into and raise me up to use me as a voice for my generation. And you say, does it have to do with ministry? It does not have to do with ministry. It has to do with living your best life. Because when your spirit is well fed, the promises of God are what you walk in and you live by. And that's a promise from heaven. Amen? If you have a distorted, distracted, perverted soul, then you will have a depleted and empty spirit. And an empty spirit cannot protect you against anything in this world. Look at the devil's tactics. What does he use? Look at the world today. Yesterday we, talk, we stood on the court talking about sex trafficking and sexual abuse. I use the terminology, if we pull on this thread, we are going to unravel a lot and expose a lot. Because really, if you want to break down where is this epidemic coming from, let's talk about pornography. Let's talk about the fact that it is everywhere accessible at this time. This generation has been so perverted in their mind that it has led to an increase of that. You want to cut that out? Cut out the perversion from hell. Because what you look on begins to be what you do. So people get perverted souls and crushed minds, and it's all distorted. They don't have a strong spirit, man. They're walking in absolute defeat. The enemy has them wrapped around his finger because they can't even break out of the soul. But if you get your soul pure towards God, you get the word of God. That's why the word matters. Come on, church. You get your mind renewed and you begin to govern. Watch what you look at. Watch what you put your hand to. Watch who you hang around so that your soul is blessing the Lord and your spirit remains strong. You can walk upright. You can have the promises of God. Now, why does this matter? It matters because generations have lived and blamed God for everything. And I'm sick and tired of people blaming a perfect God, full of love, full of grace, that paid the most biggest price to give you that freedom. And then we have the nerve to say it's God that's doing it. It is not God. It's you. You have a responsibility to grow yourself up and live by the spirit that is accessible at all times. How do you get a strong spirit? How do you build up your spirit, man? Number one, the Word of God. You should consume the Word of God. Eat it like it's a fine sinner. Day in and day out. How often do you eat food? Three, four, five. Who's counting? We don't want to talk about specifics here right now. (laughs) But it's been a while and I need a snack. You're eating all the time for the flesh. So the spirit should also be... Being fed. Being fed. Because the stronger the spirit is, the spirit dominating the flesh, sickness comes against the flesh, the spirit says, not today. You don't have the authority over the flesh. I walk. Because the Bible says those, the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. What does that mean? That means that the sons of God are those that the spirit is leading their life. Not the flesh, not the soul. The spirit is leading. Spirit needs the word. The word and the spirit are complementary. In fact, the word is literally God-breathed words by the Spirit written down for you to consume. 
So when's the last time you truly studied the word? Amen? When's the last time you feasted upon the word of God? I had a young guy tell me the other day, his generation doesn't, doesn't really think about the word. He was like, we just like worship. We like to feel good. We like to praise and that thing. But as long as we basically follow the Ten Commandments, we'll be okay. And he's like, I'm beginning to realize the word matters. Why? Because people think the word is just a law book of what they can't do. This is not a law book of what you can't do. This is a sword of the spirit that equips you to take ground, walk in victory, lead you to triumph. This is the word, the sword of the spirit that severs between the soul and the spirit so that what was once governing you, all the junk manipulated by this world is silenced and the spirit takes over and says, it is written, it is written, it is written. And that becomes the reality of your life. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Those that love the word will be strong in their spirit. Feast on the word. Don't miss out on this. It's available to you. But let me ask you this. If every Bible in America was burned and all the apps were taken down, how much is in your spirit right now of the word? Back generations back, they used to, kids used to have to memorize and memorize tons of scripture. Right now, you would only have what you have memorized in your spirit available. So how strong are you? Are you with me right now? Is this okay? So think about that. How much is actually in me? Do I think with scripture? When problems arise, do I think with the soul first or does the scripture, the word of God actually come to my mind and I think, oh, I know how to respond to this. At destruction and famine, thou shalt laugh. So you look at the news, you turn on CNN, and you laugh every single time. Because <laughs> that's all they report anyways. Purify your spirit, man. Feed your spirit, man, the word so that it gets strong. The oil of God feeds the spirit, and the spirit begins to govern your life. How else do you build a strong spirit, man? Prayer. Prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Come on. What does that mean? Does that mean everywhere you go, Father, I thank you that you're blessed, Pastor Jeff. I thank you for Dwayne right now, Lord. I just thank you that Tammy's here. I thank you for my wife, Glow. She's awesome. Bless her, God. Jesus. And then you go to work, and they're like, can I check out a car? You, my mom, thank you, Lord, that they can check out a car right now. That would be weird. Are you with me? You get the example? So what is it saying? It's saying relational. It's saying in your spirit, man, pray without ceasing. Have that communication always flowing. Have that open channel with God where your soul, your mind, you're training your mind to bless the Lord at all times. You rise in the morning, you're tired, you feel worn out, you were up too late last night, your body doesn't feel like it's really strong right now and you feel like something's coming against you, you can drive to work and complain. I don't feel good today. I don't know if I'm going to make it through the day. I just I tell you right now. I've helped, felt this way before, and it usually ends bad. Or you can turn it around and be like, Father, I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost in me. I bless your name right now. You are good all the time. You watch over me. You govern my life. You lead me in a triumph and into victory. I'm being led by the Spirit right now. Father, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? I lift you up. I magnify your name. May your presence fill this car right now. May you watch over me today. Thank you, Jesus. And the atmosphere changes. And then things you go through. Many are the afflictions, the Bible says, of the righteous. So you're going to go through something. But a strong spiritual person goes through it and you're like, what's going on? And the Spirit of God reveals to you, this is what I, your tire went flat because right now someone's going to pull up 
and I'm going to have you minister to that person, and I'm going to have you lead them to the Lord. And then your life begins to be led by the Spirit. Is that powerful or what? Pray, pray, pray. When's the last time you really just dedicated time in your life to prayer? Praying in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says pray in the Holy Ghost to build up your most holy faith. Stir it up from time to time. Amen? Met a guy this past weekend in, in, in Orlando. Said he just got baptized with the Holy Ghost. I said, bro, pray in tongues every day of your life. God gave you that gift. Don't be the person that got it and 10 years later you try to use it. Be the person that builds yourself up on your most holy faith. It's a gift from God. Don't let religion make fun of you. Don't let people mock you for it. You've been given something from up above, and the only reason they're mocking is because they don't have what you yet have. Hallelujah. Build yourself up in prayer. And prayer is not a checklist of 10 things you're asking God for. Prayer is not, Lord, I thank you for the brand new Ford Bronco. Although I do thank him for the brand new. No. I thank you for this. It's not a checklist. It's actually getting to a place in prayer where you're so praying by the Spirit of God that your mind has to take notes. That you're at this place with God where your spirit's speaking things out and you're taking notes because that's true prayer. Heaven is speaking back to you and things are flowing. It's supernatural. Strong spirit is connected to the spirit of the living God. With me? So pray. Pray often. Pray regularly. Pray over everything. Speak over everything. We get in a car. We pray God keeps us safe. We go here. We pray the Lord leads us. Pray in the Holy Spirit whenever you feel the unction. Come on. So what's that unction for? It, you have no idea what the unction's for, but pray in the Holy Ghost. I shared the story uh, a while back of when I was doing the dishes like every obedient husband does. And I'm washing the dishes, and I just feel prompted by the Spirit of God. Pray in tongues. I'm praying. Worshiping the Lord, really. It's not like, I'm not like warfare. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this house. She get out of washing the dishes. And then I, I don't think about it because I, I just didn't think about it. I put a sharp knife right in the dishwasher because that was our drying rack because the dishwasher was, let's just face it, they don't actually wash. <laughs> so they work great as a drying rack, at least in this place. Put a sharp knife, and Ellie was like toddling at that time. I watched her grab that knife and then turn full speed right at her sister with that knife. I wa- it slowed down. I thought, oh, my gosh. Like, Lord, and it just, right at her face, right at Emma's face, and it caught her eyebrow and barely nicked her. I grabbed the knife, put it up, closed the dishwasher, picked them up. Emma's crying, but she was totally fine, barely a drop of blood. And I'm like, thank you, God, for the spirit that just just rose up in me before that and just began to speak peace over my household, protection over my household. I believe that God led me because I believe that could have gone very worse. Are you with me right now? Pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray without ceasing. Pray according to the word. Stir up yourself. And then lastly, fasting. Let's talk about fasting. When Jesus came down off the mountain transfiguration, they said, this demon won't come out. He said, this kind comes out but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. When's the last time you just fasted and went without? To starve the flesh, to build the spirit. It's a spirit-led thing. When I was a young believer, my pastor said, if you ever find yourself not knowing what the Lord wants you to do, fast until you get a word from God. It'll bring clarity in your life. I've done that multiple times in my life when I have major things that I know I need the word of the Lord and I can't miss God on this. I go into a season of fasting and the Lord always leads me through and speaks to me during that time. Fasting is where you make a conscious decision with your soul, which is your mind, that I am going to shut down feeding my flesh 
and I'm going to spend time in the Word to build up my spirit, man, and I'm going to pray fervently, and I'm going to seek God, and I'm going to have a connection between heaven and earth greater than I'm one of what I'm walking in right now. Fasting is a powerful tool. I know people that have fasted, and the Lord healed them through things that they were going through. I've known people that were fasting, and the Lord supernaturally equipped them for things. Fasting is how you build your spirit up. If Jesus said, this kind comes out but by prayer and fasting, if Jesus said to do it, you should do it. Yeah, amen. amen. Now, I remember when I was young and I heard about fasting, I thought, why in the world would you ever go without food? Like, who chooses that? Right? You know, there's got to be another way. And I love this generation because this generation is always trying to find things besides food to fast. I just feel led by the Lord, Pastor Caleb. I'm going to fast ice cream for the next for the next 24 hours, I'm fasting ice cream. That's powerful. Wow. You know, I can still have cake, but ice cream, I feel it's the Lord. I feel led by the Lord. Well, you're going to really get a breakthrough. Now, I will say there are things that are genuine fast, fasting the news, fasting social media, fasting entertainment for a while, shutting down those other voices that have been feeding your soul and messing with your emotions and, 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 and getting all cluttered in the mind. Fast that for a while. Shut that down. Walk away from food. Let the flesh just complain, but let the spirit come to life and attach yourself to Christ Jesus. And suddenly you have a strong spirit. Strong spirits. When you have a strong spirit, sickness comes, the spirit says no, and it drives it out of your life. Amen? That's how people walk like Jesus walked. Now, when you have a strong spirit, one of the most powerful things that happens is you are quick to act upon the word. Strong spirit hears the word and believes that above everything else. Now, why does that matter? When Jesus was in his hometown in Luke chapter 4, he was anointed by the spirit of God. And he says that basically they didn't honor him in his hometown. He gave an example and he said there are many widows at the time of Elisha the prophet. But God did not send Elisha to their homes. He sent him to one widow's house in Zarephath, many miles away. Why did he send Elisha to that woman? Because that was the one widow woman that when the prophet came and said, I know you have just enough food for your son and you to eat and then to die, but first feed me. She heard the word, she believed the word, and she acted on the word. So that's where the miracle transpires. Strong spirits are those that act upon the word first. Not second, not third, not fourth, not I tried all of these things. Now I'm coming to the word and I hope the word works. Strong spirit believes the word of the Lord. God, God, Jesus gave that example because he was basically saying there's tons of opportunity always in the world for you to walk in the supernatural things of God. But you have to be a person that hears the word and acts upon the word and gives everything that you got saying that's going to be the reality of my life. Because the prophet said, feed me first. And the word of the Lord says that this oil will not run dry and the meal will not run out. Come on, somebody. Think about the man at the pool of Siloam when Jesus showed up there. And all these people needed healing. And I used this in the first one talking about how not everybody gets healed. Jesus didn't go around healing everybody. Why? Because all those people had a man, the Bible says. that They were looking at that man, waiting for the man to put him in the water when it was trembled by the angel. But the one guy that didn't have, Jesus perceived by the Spirit that if he went to that man and said, get up and walk, the guy would not say, I can't walk. It's not today. I need a man. The guy heard the word at that moment and acted upon the word and stood up and walked in that moment. He was healed because he acted on the word. Are you with me right now? 
act upon the word. Many lepers, but only a few are healed because those that act upon the word. The way you walk in the supernatural things of God is build your spirit man up so that the word becomes the reality of your life and it governs who you are. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.